Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 145 of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here along with Kurt Mortensen. We're here doing another show for you while the world is freaking out about Brexit mm -hmm. and the United Kingdom, which we have many listeners there. Hello, United Kingdom listeners. You've given the world quite a lot to think about in a good way or a bad way. It depends on who you talk to. But I guess knowing how to sell, even in a weird economy, knowing how to create urgency, knowing how to connect with prospects, still is just the most valuable skill that you can have, isn't it, Kurt? It is. If it gets weird, strange, goes down, you have the skills that actually can help you out. You can turn any negative, anything strange or weird into something positive and spin it in the right way. That is the key because too many people, they panic. It's not going to work. What if the down economy? Hey, people are being really successful out there. You can make all excuses you want, but if you have a really good reason to be successful, you can turn this into a very positive thing. It's true. It's true. Yeah, nobody knows what will happen to the economy as a result of this. There's a lot of speculation, and some people think no big deal. Others think somewhere in between. Others people think climbing your bomb shelters. A good salesperson, somebody who can create value and persuade, is always needed in any economy. So that's what we're here to help you do. And we, one way that we help you do this is for you to go to universityofpersuasion.com. How's that for a cheesy segue? Uh, high lactose. Yes, high lactose segue. <laughs> and go to universitypersuasion.com there for less than the cost of a Honda Civic. So anywhere from free to less than the cost of a Honda Civic. You can get great tips daily, weekly on how to become a great persuader. We've talked a lot on the show about how you are going to need to learn to persuade because when it's time to persuade, it's too late to learn how to do it. You need to learn in advance and you'll get more sales as a result if you're proactive about this and take it seriously. Get more tools. That's the key. In fact, it has a 52-week program that's built in. Every week you're getting an audio, a video, some text about what you can do and how you can apply. Now, a lot of you want to follow that program, but maybe you have a little pain and you can search and go, I want to learn this now and this now and do it in your own order, but it's also structured however you want. But the key is get more tools and ask yourself, how much money have you lost? In your sales and your inability to persuade, hey, let's quit losing money and let's start making money. Uh, there you go. It's up to you to make yourself more valuable in an economy like this or any economy. You can do it as a salesperson. Nothing happens until a sale is made, like Brian Tracy says. Everybody counts on you to bring those dollars in the door so that the accountants and the HR people and everybody else can actually get a paycheck. <laughs> kind of a heavy responsibility. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. A lot of heavy weight there, but hey, it's all on your shoulders. If it doesn't work out, it's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that, everybody. <laughs> yeah, good luck. That's your motivation for the week. Yeah, dark, dark motivation on episode 145. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? Fear is a good motivator sometimes. It works. It works. Sometimes it's needed. So we have a great show planned for you today. We've got a guest that we're going to have on Ooh, the show. Andy yeah. Paul is going to join us, and we're going to cut to our interview with Andy Paul right now. Okay, we'd like to welcome to the Maximize Your Influence, Andy Paul. Andy almost didn't make it past sales training in his first job out of college. His bosses didn't think he'd make it into sales because he wasn't salesy enough. We all heard that before. And they thought he was too introverted and analytical. And yet over three decades, he's built a successful career as a sales leader, author, 
speaker, and consultant by being different, thinking differently, and selling differently. Andy's helped boost the performance of teams selling products and services as diverse as complex multi-million dollar communications networks to collectible professional sports memorabilia. That's quite the range there, Andy. <laughs> it is. It is. Different price points, as you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. He's worked with raw technology startups and Fortune 1000 companies and everything in between, and he has sold in nearly every corner of the globe. Currently, Andy is doing what he loves best, sharing his powerful game-changing sales strategies and building successful sales teams with companies, business owners, executives, and sales professionals to help them reach their goals. Andy, welcome to Maximize Your Influence. How you doing? Well, thanks for having me. Doing great. How about yourself? Hey, doing fantastic. We're happy to have you here, and we're going to hit you with some questions. Put the hot sure. light on you and make you sweat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the hot light going, see what you're made of, and I'll, I'll start it off here. Sure. Again, thanks for being here. Just to see. All right, here's the question. Hope you're sitting down. In your opinion, what is the worst vegetable on the planet? Just to get things started. <laughs> okra. Okra. <laughs> that was quick. All right. Yeah, I had that one in the holster, Andy. Yeah, that was ready to roll. I, I was waiting for you to think a little bit, but okra <laughs> right out of the chute. I was. I think top ten. That's definitely top ten up there with Brussels sprouts. But we'll take that answer. All right. We'll take good. It. Yeah, that's a man who despises okra right on the tip of his tongue. I <laughs> told you we were going to put you under the hot light, Andy. Yeah, well, start, keep it shining. Here we go. <laughs> now for something people actually care about. <laughs> so we're curious, how did you get started in professional development for, for salespeople? Yeah, I started my company in the year 2000. And I really the genesis was that I'd spent, I hate to say how much time before that, working for a number of, of startup companies in Silicon Valley and Southern California. And sort of the thing that was sort of repetitious from company to company or the same scenario from company to company was selling complex business to business, uh, selling complex products when you're the underdog, right? When you're a no name, no brand, no track record company selling something that's sort of mission critical and, and relatively complex and expensive against big name, multi-billion dollar multinational corporations. How do you do that and win? And I said, hey, time to work for myself. And I'd been traveling extensively, hundreds of thousands of miles a year, and wanted to take a little step back. And this is where I thought I could share that knowledge, what I'd learned about how to do that with other companies. Great. Great. And one of the things we do on the show, so you know, is we do the persuasion blunder of the week. We introduce our friend Homer Simpson. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. But I just want to ask you this question. Sure. Because part of learning in sales is understanding what mistakes or blunders we've made. So... What is the worst persuasion blunder maybe that you've committed or that you have seen someone else commit that probably a lot of our listeners are doing and maybe they don't know it or they're just not aware of it? Hmm, that's a good, that's a very good question. I mean, gosh, we all make mistakes, right? Um, I, think, oh, yeah. I think one of the, the big ones that I hearkened back to was a large deal I was working on where I got overconfident. Myself, my teams, the, we, we were working on a large deal, multi-million dollar deal with a big company, and we, we thought we were going to be able to replace their incumbent supplier. And because they were, you know, they put RFPs out or they'd made it known that they wanted uh, proposals for a new solution. And so we'd spent months working this account, and um, we were pretty convinced that we had it. And at the end of the day, we basically were, <laughs> so I hate to be ungenerous to the, the customer, but they were pretty much using us to leverage a better deal out of their existing supplier. We should have known that. We should have understood that better. We should have asked the right questions to get to the point where we had known that we were really not, really not perhaps in the running the way that we thought we were. And 
Yeah, that was kind of embarrassing because we had based a big chunk of our forecast one quarter on that. Not only embarrassing, cost you some money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And that's a great lesson for all our listeners to think about is that you assume they're going to do it because you're the best product or you've done business before. You think you're the best product. That triggers arrogance, and that can cost you a lot of money. So you got to be very careful that you don't cross that line because it's very expensive and very embarrassing and great pointer, and that would be our blunder of the week. There it is. Yeah, I was glad I could help, yes. <laughs> it takes courage to nominate yourself as the blunder, Andy. Good show, good show. So Yeah, I don't want to point the finger at anybody else. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I had another question I wanted to ask Andy because, Andy, we've Kurt and I have been known to get a little sidetracked on the show and start sure. talking sports, and you've been involved in selling sports memorabilia. Is there a particular piece of sports memorabilia that you helped sell or that a company sold under your watch that you found really exciting or, or really interesting? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There you go. So, so, so my client in this space was uh, in the end of the business. It was licensed you know, by the NBA, NFL, and so on. But it, it was the segment they call trash and trinket. So it was, it was literally keychains, mugs, <laughs> so you, it's not like a mini assigned Mickey Mantle baseball card, it, it mugs and uh, koozies and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think they may have moved upscale to the mugs, but um, primarily it was <laughs> it was the collectible pins. Were actually an incredible amount. The thing that was amazing it was an incredible amount of of artwork that went into them because these were made with this sort of complex enamel process, and people loved them. And people were collecting. You know, they wanted to get all the leagues. You know, all the players. It was really sort of an interesting business, but it was, um, yeah, I don't ensure that, I think that company ended up selling to somebody else that sold to somebody else again. I mean, it was low end, very competitive from a price standpoint, as you can imagine. Yeah. Almost commodity based. Very much. I mean, the, the only fee to entry into the market was you had to get the license. Right. Right. And at one point in time, the, up until about, I don't know, what, 10 years ago, the leagues were very, uh, limited number of licenses they gave out, but I believe they have since expanded. So it's big money in sports. So you have mentioned on your site that sales have, have changed. How do you see sales having changed recently? Well, I think the biggest change, and not I think, but I, I know the biggest change has been just the influence of technology. So over the last 15, almost 20 years now, since really since the advent of the, the web as we know it, is more and more information is available online for the prospects to become self-educated about products and services. And we've seen that there's a whole class of products that we're clearly having a, a person involved doesn't add any value to the customer in terms of buying the product. You know, office supplies, give that as an example, you know, copy paper, pencils, and so on. And so there's been a real change in the dynamic of sort of who's in charge of the, the buying and selling process. It used to be back when I got started before the internet, again, not to date myself unnecessarily, is the customer basically had one source of information about the product and service they're buying, and that was me. So they somewhat could only buy as fast as I was prepared to sell to them. But obviously that's changed, right? Because there's so much information available online, both business to consumer and business to business. So once the prospect really engages with the sales rep, it's a different ballgame. And what the requirements they have for the information they need at that point in time is very different than it was when you initially would have engaged with someone prior to 15 years ago. Well, I like that. So you're saying people want to buy faster, the access to more information I think every salesperson wants to hear that people want to buy faster. What can they do to speed up the sales process then? How do they adapt to that trend? Well, it's so funny. The bar is so low, but so few <laughs> measure up to it, which is you just have to be smarter about your products and services than what the customer can find on your website. 
I mean, that's the first thing, right? To be able to add additional value to the prospect's evaluation process, their buying process, that is more than information <laughs> than is available on your website. And it seems like that is a low bar, but it's it's one that uh, you know too many salespeople still fall victim to, just thinking they need to know facts and features about their products and not really understand the customer and their business and what their concerns are and what their objectives are and have a more nuanced view about how you're going to help them achieve that. Hmm. So I noticed on your site as well, you're big on correctly identifying decision makers and that part of the qualification process. What advice can you give to our listeners about decision makers and how to find them and how to work with them and leverage them and all that fun stuff? Well, and there's several parts to that answer. I mean, one is you have to really decide what it is you're selling first. And not decide, but understand what it is you're selling. And products are fall into two groups. They're either strategic or they're tactical. And strategic meaning they have a certain complexity and price and value overall to the organization that necessarily the decisions are going to be made at higher levels. But you know, 95% of what a business buys on a routine basis are tactical products. And chances are the decision maker for that is not the CEO. It's not in the C-suite. It's it's someone who's more of a functional decision maker, functional manager. And so we really do a disservice to salespeople in forcing down their throat this concept that they have to sell up in the organization as high as they can when really what they need to do is find the right person that cares the most about the outcomes of buying your product or your service. That's the person you want to focus on. And for most tactical products, that is not going to be at the C-suite level. That's a great point. You know, to mention finding the right person. And I think every salesperson, every persuader, every negotiator out there has spent so much time to think it's a done deal and that's not the right person or they have to go to a committee. And that's a big challenge as far as qualifying the right prospects. So what are some secrets or tools that you have to qualify the right prospects? Well, qualification is a tricky task because you know, oftentimes we just sort of look at it from, gosh, do they need sort of the features and functions that we have? And it's, it's really maybe just the top layer of qualification. And qualification that's hard is what you're trying to do is you're trying to get a tentative agreement from the customer that their perception of the value you're going to provide with your product is equivalent to the price you're going to charge for it. You know, if there's a real mismatch of perception on the customer's part that the value they're going to receive is is not aligned with the price they have to pay, then you're stuck, right? I mean, you, there's no way you can move forward at that point. But too often sellers just ignore that point and just sort of blunder forward. And so it's really important to sort of get that resolved really early in your sales process. You know, you do your discovery, understand their objectives, where they want to be, how you can help them get there. And that is the point right then to say, look, you know, if we're going to keep we're investing time, if you're going to invest time in me and I'm going to invest my time in you, Mr. Buyer, we need to have this conversation about value and price. Great point because, you know, listeners, if, if someone says it's too expensive, they don't see the value, they're just looking at price, you've blown your presentation. You haven't built the value there, and that's the key to building the value, but also we need to be able to find the right people at the right time to be able to purchase the product. Well, but also there's another part to that, Kurt, which is sometimes when people say it's too expensive – it is just too expensive. And that's okay. I mean, <laughs> again, there's this tendency in sales training is to say, gosh, when someone tells you it's too expensive, you really need to double down. Yeah, you really need to spend more time, really convince them that, you know, this is not too expensive. And yeah, I'm a business owner. You're a business owner. So, you know, when somebody's selling to you and you tell them it's too expensive, what, what do you mean when you say that? Yeah, that's a great point because hopefully during the qualifying process, you know where the budget is and what they're able to spend and what the value is. So when you come up with the value of the product, 
that you know exactly what they're looking to spend and what their expectations are. I, yeah, I mean, to me, a price objection is a great reason to disqualify a prospect. I mean, sometimes you have to be able to have some experience and some insight. You have to be listening to the customer's answers to the questions you're asking. And if you're really paying attention, you'll know the difference between somebody that, hey, it's just out of the range of the budget, and that's okay. Don't invest any more time. You only have a limited amount of time. Don't keep investing time. Throw it down the rabbit hole after this prospect that's never going to buy from you. That's a good point. You know, is it a knee-jerk reaction or is it actually really true? Exactly. You've got to find out right up front. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes the best prospect is the one that you can quickly disqualify. <laughs> well, and also that sometimes they appreciate that because I've had more than one occasion, not just me but lots of salespeople, is that you do right by the prospect and say, yeah, you're right. Well, let's revisit this in six months. And they appreciate that. And when they're ready, they'll come back to you because they said, yeah, this guy treated me with integrity. Yeah, you're, you're putting trust in the bank for the future. Mm-hmm. When, when they exactly. are qualified, they're going to remember you as opposed to the line of cheesy guys that came in before you. Or after, yeah, absolutely. Or, yeah, yeah. So, Andy, what are one or two things that, that we didn't ask you about your sales system that, that we should have? A couple of things you'd like to leave the listeners with. Yeah, well, one, it's, it's less a system and more of a mindset. And the mindset is in today's business world where products and services are so rapidly commoditized, copied, and, and so on, is, is the first line of differentiation between you and your competitors is you, the salesperson. And so it's really essential that you look at the aspects of your selling process that you control yourself and master those. For instance, the one I talk about a lot in my writing is responsiveness. You know, if you, if you get a lead or if you get a question from a customer or an inquiry of any sort, how fast are you getting back to them? And when you're getting back to them, are you, are you giving them the information they need to move one step closer to making a decision? And that combination of value delivered in with speed is what I call responsiveness. And if you can master your responsiveness, man, you've got a, a head start on everybody else that's out there because you're showing the customer that a, you respect their time, and B, that they're going to get a, an ROI. They're going to get a positive ROI on the time they invest in you. Hmm. Good points. Responsiveness is is key. Everybody's busy, and it's there's a trend out there that nobody really wants to talk to a person right? as far as sales go. You you call customer service for a company, and you got to push zero, I don't know how many times, to talk to a person, <laughs> and everybody's making this effort to not do that. That's a huge way to stand out and build trust with your prospects. That's a good yeah, point. I mean, well, you think about it. Yeah, I mean, not just the customer service example. I mean, call a company and try to talk to someone in sales. That's mm-hmm. all. I mean, I've, I've got one company I work with that, that uh, I know the president. He's extremely good salesperson. But you call their company, and there's no way to navigate the phone tree to get to sales. <laughs> it's just like, are you serious? Do you really want to sell anything? Well, what's the ex- customer's perception of what that means about you? And so that's the thing is, you know, the first interaction you have with a the prospect, they're forming a perception about you and your viability to be a partner with them. And they're forming that perception within, you know, less than a second oftentimes. I mean, the way the mind works, I and mean, science has shown people form these initial perceptions in the blink of an eye, a quarter of a second. So it's like, you know, if you're not bringing your A game every time you have a chance to interact with your prospect, then... Why are you talking to them? Sure. Going backwards. Well, where can our listeners learn more information about you, Andy? Uh, well, they can go to my website at andypaul.com. They can listen to my podcast, Accelerate, which is a five, actually starting next week, a six-day-a-week podcast where we talk to the leading experts in sales, marketing, leadership, anything to help you increase and grow your sales more quickly. They can find that on iTunes or they can find that at Stitcher or they can find that on my website. And uh, just if you need to contact me, just 
email me, andy at zerotimeselling.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Andy. Guys, thanks for having me. Thanks, Andy. Great information. Everyone go out there and sell like you mean it and make a difference. All right. So that's our interview with Andy Paul. Andy, with that heavy background in, in technical and highly involved sales, and you can kind of tell that in how he approaches things, which works very effective. I, I liked what he said about the decision maker, Kurt, how we automatically assume we just got to go as high up that chain as we can. And that's not necessarily the case. What did you think about that? Yeah, that's important. You know, the decision maker qualifying the person at the right time. And it doesn't matter whether you're a manager or a leader or a negotiator, getting to the right person, qualifying the right person, setting the expectations up ahead of time, knowing that information instead of just going in there and assuming they're the decision maker, assuming they need your product. If you can spend a little time up front, like you mentioned, sometimes it's good to get a no or it's too expensive and walk away. Maybe it is. But if you're assuming all the way through and you get to the very end, you've wasted everyone's time without getting that information up front or even setting the rules up front is so important in sales and negotiation to where this is what we're doing here, the expectations, who's making the decisions. It saves a lot of time in the long run. Yeah, it certainly does. Certainly does. So we'll look forward to having other guests on here in the near future. I think, Kurt, you're going to be a guest on Andy's show soon. So we'll make sure we notify everybody about that when that happens. And we'll probably do it via our Twitter account at Influence Max or via Facebook. So you can go onto Facebook and punch in Maximize Your Influence. Like us there. We post good articles and quotes and videos and funny stuff occasionally onto the Facebook account. And then we're also on, I think, Instagram and Pinterest now. I was way over my head, but I think we're there. <laughs> <laughs> we're there somewhere out there in virtual world. Yeah, yeah. Social media buzzword, hashtag buzzword. I don't, I don't know. Everybody can tell that it's not really our thing, but we're trying to make it our thing, and we appreciate you growing with us and appreciate you listening to the show. We will catch you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. See you next week. Persuade with power.